If you're a boomer, wondering what to do with all this unstructured time on your hands? Well, join host Chuck Inman and Ron Hostry as they share with boomers how to be your best on your next journey by finding your passion, choosing your adventure, and igniting your activity. And now, stay tuned for The Adventures of Unstructured Time. Good morning, Ron Hostry here on 21.6 The Net with The Adventures of Unstructured Time. With me in the studio today is co-host Chuck Inman. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Ron. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm having a great time. Good. And at the end of the table with us is Dave Ellis. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Ron. Good, Good morning, morning, Chuck. Good, Good morning. morning, Dave. It's so fantastic to have you with us here today. Uh, t- this is the 11 12 2018 show, which happens to be Veterans Day. Dave, you've uh, been in the service? Yes, I was in the Air Force for 10 years in electronics, uh, repairmen, and avionics. And luckily, I got to ride one of the vehicles in the Veterans Parade yesterday because a friend of mine asked me to ride, and that was first time I ever was in a parade, and so I felt very honored and distinguished. I really wasn't anything important in the parade. Oh, you're always important. You're important in the community. Now, did you practice the wave that they teach the princess in the royal Well, I was parade? just thinking of the Queen of England, how she kind of does it sideways. <laughs> so I was kind of practicing that. Great. Well, the purpose of the show is there are 10,000 people a day in the United States that are turning age 65. Now, many of those people have arranged for financial planners or done some financial planning to make sure they have enough money to the end of this period of their life. Many of them have gotten an attorney to set up an estate plan to make sure their kids are really happy with you when you're gone. But no one sits down and really takes time to plan the amount of time that's going to be available from the time that you leave your full-time career or transition into a life of significance. Sometimes if you're going to leave a company at age 65, and you ask most people how long they're going to live, 85 is a typical answer. That's 20 years of your life that most people haven't addressed. And the whole purpose of the show is to, one, set up the mechanics and the understandings of what people are going through when they do that. And that's what our first eight shows were, is to take that period of time and say, these are some of the emotional intelligence issues that we have to deal with uh, for that period of time. But now we're at the point of bringing people in that have made that transition so that our audience can find out how they can structure their life and their unstructured time to be significant. Chuck, tell us about some of the things that our people are going to get into. Chemical brain free, default behaviors. Just a quick overview of the cap of our first eight shows. Well, one of the things that we we try and lay out is talking and identifying the difference between success and significance. Over our careers, significance has been one of the ways that we take a look at how we measure ourselves. And success is usually determined by, you know, money, by rewards, promotions. And then we have an opportunity when we take a look at retiring, we start to shift from worrying about ourselves and what we have. Because when we're looking at success, we're looking for the right house in the right neighborhood, the right car, sending our kids to the right schools. But now we start to look at significance. How do we impact others and how do we impact them positively? And so that's one of the foundations that we start to lay down is how do we make that transition from success to significance? But then when we take a look at like, how do we find our passion? What is it that we want to do with our time that we have? And we start to look at the difference between dreams and goals. I mean, and we always, Ron always hears me say, go ahead and dream big because dreaming doesn't cost you anything. But then when you start looking at your goals and start to write your goals down, make sure that those are goals based upon your values. They don't have to be made up of other people's values. They can be your values now, which is really a lot of fun when you take a look at that. So then we say, you know, look at your passion, find out what is that passion, that thing that you truly want to do. And then how do you make that happen? How do you ignite some activity and, and make some things go? You know, choose that adventure and then, and then ignite the activity. And then we start to talk about the emotional intelligence side on, you know, what does it take to create new habits? What are some of the things that we do that allow us to get past default behaviors? And so many times the things that hold us back are default behaviors. And we have to go in and recognize those and and realize we have to overcome those to move in the right direction that we want to go. So that's brief foundation. 
Now, in the past show, we kind of wrapped up setting the stage for these next shows and interviews with the six spokes of life. The six spokes being the physical and health portions of our life, the mental alertness and education, the spiritual aspects of our life, our family and home life, and our finance and career, all of which is a terrific balancing act that has to go on to make this transition successful. And that's why we have Dave in the studio with us today. Dave... You are a person that I've watched, and you have made a terrific transition through this period of time when so many people struggle with that. But tell us, when you were in your career, what was that like when you were working out at the uh, electronics plant in Greenville here, L3? Tell me what was going through your minds at that time. Uh, Like I said before, I spent 10 years in the U.S. Air Force, and it was in avionics, mostly fixing electronic boxes on airplanes and so forth. And after 10 years, I decided I wanted to get into, I was moving around a lot in the Air Force, and I wanted to be more settled in with the home. And I've been with the same woman for now 47 years. Congratulations. So we ended up, there was a contract over at a company called L3 Communications here in Greenville, Texas. It just so happened my skill set was they had the contract out there. So the uh, director out there, after sending in a resume, said, come on out here and put your skills to work on this contract, which I did. And total, I ended up spending 20 years at L3. Wow. And it's a big company, several divisions. This particular one in Greenville has 6,000 employees, mostly modifying aircraft and software, hardware, just about anything to make your airplane work well. Getting back to your question is the work that I had was meaningful to me. I've been promoted several times. Somewhere along the line, the, my boss said, Dave, why don't you just go to college? And I said, you know, college, that's for smart people. I'm not that smart. <laughs> and he said, well, you'd be surprised. You know, you seem to have a good work ethics. And I did. And I did go to work. And I actually went to school at night using some of the training I had from the military. They gave me some credits. I graduated with a bachelor's degree. I was, all, I was hired at L3 as a test engineer to work on the electronics, repair some of the stuff, make sure the systems were working well. I was promoted several times and moved around several jobs at the company. And then at age 63, uh, the stress level seemed to be quite high. I think the company didn't look at me as as they did previous years when I was younger. Let's stop right there for a second. Chuck, when we look at people's focus during that period of their life, uh, what are some of the things that, that they deal with as far as getting into chemical brain feeds or, or habits that they put into place where the focus, the entire focus is on a career? Well, I, I think at that point, when you get to that point at the end of a career, I think a lot of people really focus on not making any mistakes. <laughs> like, you know, they've got this far. It's like, okay, can we get through another couple of years and, and make that magic number of you know, 65 and, and, and go from there. And there are, there are some, some drawbacks to that. You want to be active. You want to be contributing. But you also realize that the, the end is coming near. And it's a difficult time. I mean, it's, you've got all sorts of emotions playing because you're like, put in 20 years. I'm valuable to this corporation. And, and it's tough to walk away from it to pick up and go forward. Is this a transition that was forced on you? No, not really, but I felt the stress level of it. Schedule pressures and the finances of of a program and all the meetings and emails and phone calls. It just got to be so stressful that I found myself sitting at my desk just shaking because it was just so much overwhelming to me. And I realized that I could get Social Security at that point I could get a pension from the company. I was in the military. I, I could get VA benefits from then. For and I think that's the big hindrance for a lot of men and women when they get that. It says they say, "How am I going to pay for my medical insurance?" That's right. why I'm not retiring. So I did the math and I says, "Well, it's going to be close. I'm not a rich man. I don't have a big house, but I am very dedicated to a lot of things." I said, "I'd I'd rather just go home." Mm -hmm. and just do other things than to put up with all the stress of it all. And so that's what I did. Well, that had to bring a a number of fears on board. And Chuck, we've talked about fears before. What would people be feeling at that point of that transition? 
Oh, I, I think with, with anything, there's always the fear of the unknown. I mean, they've done studies around the world. Every culture has a fear of the unknown. You're looking at, so where's my value? Where's my worth? You start to question you know, quite a few of those things. But then as you start to take a look at the, the amount of time that you have, and just with the brief talk that we, we shared this morning, on how you start filling in that time and what are some of the things that you're doing where you're actually giving back, you start to eliminate some of those fears because you find yourself being very successful and, and utilizing your time in a, in a worthy manner. Well, Dave, did you find that fear was a part of this transition, not only yours, but maybe your wife's and family members? What were some of the comments that you heard from people when you told them you were thinking about leaving, quote, the safe environment? Well, I, I guess I'm the oddball of it all because I wasn't afraid. Okay. Because I've, I have confidence in myself. I worked hard my whole life. I was on top of things. I just did the very best I could. And I realized when I got out of the industry and went into retirement that I would continue that process. And right today, I am a professional volunteer. Mm-hmm. My schedule stays very, very busy. I just volunteer for a lot of things. I don't get paid for anything. I just lean on God to take care of me and that I don't get sick. Of course, you know, an illness will devastate anyone. Right. You know, no matter how much financial backing you have, if you stored up your whole life, if you get into a bad car accident or something, that could devastate your finances for a long, long time. Well, well, what it sounds like, though, is that at a period of time when most people would face a lot of fears through a transition, you actually sat down to decide, are these fears real or not? You did a skills assessment somewhat. You said, hey, I have these talents. I have this portfolio that is Dave Ellis. With that, I'm not just done because of the fact that I'm transitioning to something else. A lot of people look at retirement as an end of something as opposed to a transition to the next adventure. So one of the ways you combat fear is by analyzing and taking assessment of who you are and what you are. Is that a fair assessment of what you did? Yes, that's true, Ron. But I think that it's important for a man or a woman as they enter those years that you've got to stay busy. If you just stay home and don't do nothing and read the paper and watch TV, and eat, and so, and then you're probably not going to be doing that well. You're just going to be depressed about it all. If, like you said, it's is this the end? For me, it was more of a beginning or a new start on things. And uh, my calendar stays very full all day. And when it's not, I go looking for other things to do. <laughs> well, you know what, what's interesting, Dave, is so many times people will take a look. Ron had mentioned the spokes earlier but they'll get ready to retire. They'll retire, they'll sell their house, they'll move out of state to a different place, leave all their friends behind. So they've left friends and family and everything behind. And they have to make some major adjustments for that. And that's a difficult one. I think, you know, where, you know, you have an opportunity where you could stay with family and so And that's important. I think that the social and the friend side is something that we don't really look at developing during our career because we're so busy. But now we have a unique time, a unique opportunity to work on developing the the social and the friends aspect of things. And it can be very rewarding. Yeah, I think that when we first tired, everybody said, well, you need to go on some trips, travel a little bit. And I did that. Mm -hmm. I come back and I said, well, what am I going to do next? You know, (laughs) maybe your hobby is golf, bowling or whatever your hobby is. Then you need to pursue that because you're probably pretty good at it anyway. Just continue to grow with your hobbies and adventure out. Get more things involved in your life. Get people involved in your life. Well, you, and we'll talk about the state of life that you're at now with all the organizations and your volunteer work. But when you first went and retired and people said, take the trip, pick up a hobby, go do that thing. Was that your understanding of what retirement was? I think it was a life changer. That's what it is. You're not getting up early and fighting the traffic anymore. It's a different lifestyle altogether. And that's what you've got to adjust to is, and also is your wife, how is she going to react to that? And that there are numerous articles written about how people, their relationships, where they've gone for the last, say, 25, 30 years, they've both been working 40 hours a week, and now they're home 24-7. And how do you have the relationship with that person? Because it takes on a whole different dimension because you have so much time available. So that's a key. Well, we're going to take just a moment and remind everyone you're listening to 21.6 The Net, The Adventures of Unstructured Time. 
Hey, there are three ways to listen to our program. First is to go to the 21.6 The Net website, 216thenet.com, and press the Listen Live button. And whatever show is being played at that time, you will hear that immediately. The next thing, you can go to the tab at the top of that page and put Past Show Podcasts. Go through the list of shows, and if you missed a portion of this show or you'd like to hear this show again or share it with your friends, just have them go to the Adventures of Unstructured Time. Pick the show that you want them to listen to. This is show nine. And you can hear that and play it back if there's a point you want to recover until it really sinks in, then you have the opportunity to do that. The third way is on your smart devices, your iPad, your iPhones, your Androids. Go to the Google Store or the App Store and download 21.6, the Net app, and it'll be on your phone. And wherever you are, you can push that app and it tunes in to what's being played live on 21.6, the Net. Now back to our discussion. So Dave, after your transition, there was a lot of unstructured time and you had some initial thoughts of how you were going to to spend that time. There had to become a, a point in time that you thought, is this all there is? What triggered you to, to go to the next step after the cruises and the hobby in, in a 52 episodes of Gunsmoke <laughs> at noon? Well, I think I realized that I have to devote some time to my family, which I have a family here in Greenville. and But I had to devote time to myself and there was a lot of time to fill in I decided I wasn't going to go back to work so all that was left for me was just volunteer work and if you look around and you start talking about volunteering you'll find many 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 nonprofit organizations that are that will welcome you in with your time your money there's just so much so many needs in this country and in my community that I decided I just have to stay involved and that's what I do I, I just I had a situation a week ago Friday where it was with the Midland Middle School. They put together a fundraiser, a carnival fundraiser every year. And the, the first year that they did that, I went and talked to 15 kids and they chose Summer Santa's children organization. And when I went and talked with them on Friday, there were close to 100 kids. I mean, that's how far it's grown. And over a three-year period, they've raised over $16,000 for kids. Part of sharing that with the kids is, is telling them, hey, here's what you're giving back. Here's what here's what this money is doing for these kids. And, and you can tell it's the art of philanthropy and just sharing that with them. And you can just see them just kind of, you know, burst with pride that they're doing something really remarkable. And I loved what one of the girls had said. She goes, you know, Mr. Chuck, it's really neat that you don't have to be an adult to help kids you know it just, <laughs> which is just kind of fun but that's the part of giving back we talked about doing things for yourself but how important is it to have the support of a spouse if for those that are married whether the spouse is a, a wife or the wife is retired and now has to deal with a, the husband how important is the support of your family for what you do or do you just say okay this is what i want to go do and have a good day honey well, I think it's probably the most important of all. Uh, for me, I lucked out. I have a wonderful wife. We met in high school. We were high school sweethearts, and we spent our whole life together, and she understands me. I understand her. We've been in the same house for 35 years. <laughs> it, it's very important. She stays active. She worked as a house cleaner. She had like maybe six clients a week and she would go clean their house. And then that way she could drop the kids off at school and then she'd go clean a house, come back sometime in the middle of the afternoon and then go pick up the kids. She could really nurture our children and bring them up with a mother there. Of course, today with the expenses of what's going on in the world, a lot of women have to work and work many hours in offices and so forth. And we understand that. But for me, it worked out well, and after we, she turned into her retirement years, I told her, you just don't have to do that anymore. She just stays home, cleans my house, and visits her sister. She has several organizations that she volunteers for also, so she stays busy, and she seems happy. You know, we get in our little spats once in a while, but for the most part, we love each other, and uh, we're doing pretty well. Got a great church family. I think it's important that you go to church. Get involved in the people in your church. Volunteer for your church. It's just good for your soul, and that's what God wants you to do. So when we look at the spokes and the wheel that you've brought up so far, one was physical and health, that you made sure you had some health insurance, but you, you're you a pretty fit guy. Mm -hmm. You stay active, you 
take care of yourself. Secondly, spiritual, that you and your wife are on the same page spiritually, and that's a component that you get your strength from. Uh, we took a, take a look at family and home. And with the family and home, what you're saying is you and your wife have been together a long time. And there had to be a transition, though, that you would go your way for 8 to 10 hours a day. She would go her way doing her business. And you would be together with each other 3 or 5 hours a day max. But now you're in an environment where you together almost all the time. Every, every event I go to where you and Sheila are there, you guys are together. You're talking about what you're doing together. What kind of a transition was was that? Well, it's a very easy transition for us because we were just soulmates from the very beginning. Uh, we've been together, like I said, for 47 years. She pretty much does her thing. She's in Altrusa, which is a sister organization, and they do fundraisers. And, she, of course, she goes gets her hair done, gets her fingernails done, <laughs> and so forth in her spare time. We got grandchildren that she likes to visit, and they visit us. And then, of course, with all my volunteer work, we just come and go all day long. So it's not a control aspect. You allow each other freedom to be who you are without any resentment of that. No, not at all. We trust each other. We love each other. And uh, I wouldn't say we're the, the Barbie and Ken of the world, but, you know, we get along pretty well, and the transition has been easy for us. It may be more difficult for others. You can't be jealous and have keeping an eye on the woman all day long and what she's doing and who she's talking to. Or and vice versa. There's, or vice versa. You know, you just got to try to meld together and finish up your last few years in an environment that you enjoy. You know, what's interesting is with my grandson, I have a five-year-old grandson, and the time I spend with him, it's so valuable. And I think part of it is raising two daughters where you're working full-time raising two daughters. And I just see the quality of time that I spend with my grandson. And, and the, the fun points that I really have is when I'm teaching him new things. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. I mean, it's, just, it's there, and you knew that you would teach your daughters and do some things, but it, just, it seems like you just appreciate so much more at this point. One of the things when you made this transition, you had to become involved with organizations that you are still involved with over a long period of time, and organizations that you transition to that after a short period of time, you say, you know what, this isn't for me. It's a good cause, it's just not my cause. Did you go through that? Yes. Uh, there's, Like I said, there's so many organizations out there. I'm just going to take this few minutes to tell you some of the things that I'm involved in, if that's okay, Ron, Chuck, can I take Sure, some? that's what we're, we're here for. I'm in a group called Remember For Me. That's an Alzheimer's caregiver support group. And we put on functions and various banquets for the caregivers. And I enjoy that quite a bit. I go to a group called Golden Kiwanis, which is a group of men. Most of them retired over 65. And they do things like meals on wheels and building ramps for those who need stuff. I'm in a group called CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocate, which Ron is a, is a big part of that. And that's for uh, helping you actually have an adopted child that you monitor for about a year for the state. I find that very rewarding to going to court for them, being their spokesperson. I have a Panera bread delivery that we do on Thursdays. We go down to the poor and just deliver pickup trucks full of day-old bread, but the people, they want the bread. They have nothing. I'm a part-time musician in the church. I've been singer-guitar player for, oh, gee, my whole life, maybe 40, 50 years. And so I get asked a lot, you know, to sing at weddings or funerals or just church Sunday school classes and things such as that. And so I do quite a bit of that. I'm on the Greenville Board of Development, which is a powerful position in Greenville, and it looks at industry itself and making Greenville grow as companies come and they want to invest and build factories in our town. I'm part of the board, and we talk about that them. And there's a lot of activity. Yeah, there that is. Right now. Yeah, there's a lot. I really enjoy that. Uh, there's, it's, I don't get so much involved with the executive part of it, but I am a board member, and we have to vote. And it's a lot of interesting things that's going, you know. As Greenville grows, hopefully it's, I can be a part of that. I'm on the Greenville Chamber of Commerce, and I'm on the leadership committee. So we just talk about, again, Greenville growth, how 
how are we going to make Greenville better? And that gets involved with JUICE, which is the Greenville Electric Utility Service, gets involved with the Independent School District in Greenville, it gets involved with a lot of things in uh, Greenville. And then the last one, which um, it's really a ladies group, I mentioned it earlier, it's called Altrusa. And, but I find myself, when my wife Sheila, she does these things, she'll say, can you come help me set up tables? Can you come help me, you know, uh, pick up these boxes and help me get going on this event? And so I find myself as a somewhat unvolunteered, altrusa, behind-the-scenes guy. <laughs> the suit up and show up yeah. guy. You know, there's a lot to be said for that because there's a lot of people that won't suit up and show up. After our station break, uh, we're going to come back and discuss a lot more about how you got into the position to be a part of all of these organizations. You're listening to 21.6 The Net with the adventures of unstructured time with... Chuck Inman. And Ron Hostry is your host. Chuck, tell people how they can get a hold of you. Again, one of the best ways, go to adventurejerky.com. You can contact us. I mean, there's a contact place if you have a specific request. You can contact us there. Take a look. We've got a store. We've got... All sorts of information on the website, so it's a good place to start. Programming on 21.6 The Net is brought to you in part by the support of our sponsor, Xtech Repair. Xtech Repair is a full-service IT business specialist providing managed services with 24-hour business support, in-store repair of broken cells, tablets, and screen replacements with both PC and Mac specialists on staff. Visit online at xtech.repair or in person at the corner of Pingree and 176 in Crystal Lake, Illinois, or call 21.6 in the net and the adventures of unstructured time in the studio with Chuck Inman and our guest Dave Ellis. What a fantastic discussion so far. Uh, make it a lot of headway. But Chuck, we're talking about Dave and 10,000 Americans a day going through a transition of turning age 65 and making changes, planning for the future. Tell us a little bit when we talked about the spokes of the week wheel the physical the mental aspects but let's go to the physical what happens to a person when they're looking at this stressful situation well i think when you get to a point where you're ending getting towards the end of a career uh, a lot more stress starts to add up on you and one of the things that's fascinating is when your your brain starts to respond to stimuli and it will see some things where it's going warning warning (laughs) something's not right about this it will actually release cortisol into your system. And what that does is it actually, you start dropping markers. I mean, it's your, your thought processes just start to drop and you can lose up to 75% of your thought process in seconds. And, it, and it's one where you'll be sitting there thinking, you know, why didn't I do something different? You dropped all your markers and you didn't have anything left. So the cortisol is bad. And also if it stays in your system, you don't do anything about it, it will linger for up to 20 minutes. So we've all heard that expression, Dave, you've probably heard this, you know, so mad you can't think straight. Well, that's cortisol coming in and actually causing this to happen. What's interesting on the physical side, your breathing gets shallow because you've got to start pumping blood to your major muscle groups because you're either going to flee or you're going to fight. And so your heart starts beating faster, your your breathing gets shallow, your mouth gets dry because you're, you're breathing shallow. Words you know, are spitting out. And all these things happens within seconds. If you don't do anything about it, it just it's like when you have a bad day and it keeps getting worse. <laughs> That's the reason why. And what's amazing is there's one thing that you can do that will eliminate, and you can actually flush your system of, of the chemicals that you have. And that's with gratitude. Because there, there's two things, two powerful emotions that your brain has. One is, one is gratitude and one is fear. And guess what? gratitude overcomes fear so if you can think of something that you're grateful for you can actually do a a chemical flush in your system releasing some of the drugs 
like runners get with runners high and, and so forth and literally flush your system out. And that's why sometimes, you know, when, they, when you get mad, you, you always tell kids, go take a walk. Oh, I mean, you're flushing your system. And as adults, we forget that we, we need to go take a walk <laughs> and, and flush our system also. Okay, now accentuate that. You had a situation where you go to work, spouse goes to work, now you're together 24 hours a day. What, what happens there? And sometimes there, it could be just little, little words that can set you off. It's like, oh, no, you're not going to do that again today, are you? Boom, you start to have a chemical brain freeze and start to shut down. And so it's being, it's being able to talk, and, and when you communicate, it's talking and it's listening. I think one of the greatest things that I had uh, with my travels was listening to people, listening to people from different languages, different dialects. I had to listen really careful because they prided themselves on their English, but it wasn't always that good. <laughs> and you had to listen very, very carefully. And what we typically do is we don't listen to understand. We listen to jump in when there's a break and tell our side and our perspective. And so I think that's when you have that situation where you're both home 24-7, the listening becomes very, very important in understanding what the other person's expectations are. So when Dave, when you get to the point that you've gone through this transition and in watching you through life and everything, you and Sheila have done that particularly well. Well, thank you, Ron. Um, I think one big thing that you flashed in my mind as Chuck was discussing is that when you're together a lot, your wife wants you to do things around the house. She may say, like, will you change the doorknob? And you say, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take care of that. And then a, an hour later, she'll say, oh, did you remember you said you was going to wash the car today? And you say, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then they, they kind of compile. And then the next day she'll say, you didn't change the doorknob. And I'll say, oh, I forgot. And so it was, you get irritated with each other because she's demanding for all these fixes to be done in the house. And then she's mad at you because you forgot to do it. So I, you've probably heard them before. It's called a honeydew list. And it sits right on our counter. And then when she wants something done, she just writes it on the list. And I will get to it when I get to it, mm-hmm. which may not be today, but it'll stay on the list. And then if it you know, takes a week or more, then if it's really important to her, she'll remind me that it's, it diverts a lot of aggression between both of us. Because if I've got a gap within 10 minutes of my time or so forth, then I'll go change that doorknob. <laughs> And so I thought the honeydew list was very, very important. That is hilarious because that hit me just last night. We have out by our gate a little package barn that I built that's a replica of the big barn that's on the other side of the fence. And it's so for FedEx and UPS so they don't throw things into the bushes. And I find them two or three weeks later, rain-soaked. Well, it's time to repaint it. Now, it's a fairly heavy thing. I build things so that they last, but it had to be repainted. Joan texts me and says, if you need any help moving the package bar, let me know. So I took the tractor out, hooked a couple straps to it, piece of cake, went in and set it on saw horses in the barn. Wanted to convey to her, hey, it's done. Don't worry about it. And I sent that off. I took a picture of it, put, we'll paint it later and we'll do this and that. The picture came through, but the words apparently didn't. (laughs) You know, yesterday was a tough day for communications. So what we had was... The fact that she got a picture of the package barn comes out all grumbling and says, well, when are we going to clean this thing up and paint it? I says, I've got a 530 phone call today, a conference call about the radio station. So I wasn't going to do it now. Well, you told me to come out now that you sent me the picture of the barn. We got to go ahead and do this. And the communication of what was anticipated versus what was sent was so different. It created a crisis Exactly. At the ranch. And when you told that story, it just ignited. How many of those do we go in to a chemical brain freeze or a shutdown to now acted physically instead of being grateful they came out, we're saying, Well, why did you why didn't you read the text? Exactly. Well, and, an, and another classic example is if you've been married for a while and understand your spouse fairly well and you think you understand how well you communicate, you'll be driving down the road and she'll see where there's a fast food restaurant coming up and she'll say, honey, are you hungry? No, I'm fine. 
and you keep driving <laughs> down the road, <laughs> and you get in trouble because she was hungry, wanted you to stop and pull over and get something to eat, but you didn't ask her that question. You just answered her question <laughs> like, "Wow, oh, I'm fine." Yeah. And so, and that's one of the things when you when you're spending that amount of time, you have to really, really work on your listening skills, and that and it takes a lot of skill to to make that happen. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> I do the same thing. Exactly. The next area that I'd like to get into has to do with transitioning your skill sets that you acquired during your life of success into your life of significance. Dave, you are a CASA volunteer. Tell us a little bit about what that entails. CASA is court-appointed special advocate, and you're court-appointed by a judge because he's in charge of kids that are adopted. Here in Hunt County, we have about, this week, about 130 cases. We have, the volunteer status changes, but last time I remember was like 88 volunteers. That could be more than one kid, that could be more than one family. Some CASA workers have more than one case. Normally, I only take one case at a time, uh, right now, currently, I'm in my sixth case, and my child is kind of different. Normally, it is drug-related, methamphetamine, father and mother are not taking care of the kids, and CPS comes in, they confiscate the kids until the parents can straighten up or the kids go to their grandmother or something like that. The one I have now isn't quite like that, it's just that the young boy, 16 now, was abandoned. So he's actually been raised by his grandmother, then the grandmother died, and so he's at a foster home now. And so my job is to go visit him once a month and just see what he, make sure he's being taken care of, getting fed okay, he's got some clothes on his birthdays and, and so forth, uh, you know, make sure he gets some gifts, Christmas is coming up. He's a uh, a nice young man plays football, but he has no family, no brothers, no sisters, no, he has no one. So you are an advocate for the child so that he has a representation about what will help make his life better when he gets to court. The reason I brought this up, we have seven values that help people make this transition. The first is to try new things. The second is to value your time to focus on things that are important and close to your purpose. The third is to look after yourself. The fourth is to care for others. The fifth is to socialize with family, friends, community, church. Six is to work for something. And the second is to stay engaged. This comes under the try new things. How the heck, when I think of you in an Air Force uniform, as an electronics engineer in elevator communications, and I think of the skills that it takes to be an effective cause volunteer, there is a disconnect in my mind. Was there any thought of a disconnect in your mind, or how did you evaluate the skills and what you encountered during your career that made you capable to perform as a CASA volunteer? Well, I think that as a supervisor or an engineer, various jobs I had out at L3, you go to a lot of meetings, you meet a lot of people, you write a lot of reports and so forth, and you try, you try to, communication skills are paramount. They just have to be, you, you need to be able to relay your feelings, and, and that's kind of where I, I did go to school to be, it took about a week in the evenings, I think it's like 30 hours, is that correct, Ron? Mm-hmm. 30 hours. They teach you what to say, what not to say, that a report is required once a month. You track what you're doing for the case, how you're, who are you interacting with? Are you interacting with their lawyers? Are you interacting with CPS, my supervisor, and so forth? You, you, you interact and you usually go to court about once a quarter for, and just be the voice for that child. And if the judge asks you a question, you just say, well, he's doing well, or Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about this, and so forth. And then if uh, they can alleviate the situation, the stress, then they will. So what you found was you got away from the title on your business card, and you went out and you tried something new. 
and all the time I did career speaking, I spoke to groups that were going through career changes, that they had lost the jobs, many of them in their 50s, that were looking for a new job. And I always ask them, what was the job that you had that, that you are now looking for a new job? And they'd say, oh, so-and-so. And I said, did you like your job? They said, no. How many of you have a resume with a job title that you're going out for that very same job? And sheepishly, about 70% of the hands went up. You were able to say, I, Dave Ellis, have a skill set that I learned over time, and I'm going to try that skill set in a brand new environment that no one would connect those two dots. That's one of the things about trying new things under the value systems that help you through this transition that you've done well. Now, valuing your time, what does that mean to you, Chuck, from a standpoint of valuing time as our second issue? Uh, I think one of the things, the latter part of my career, I was flying 140,000 miles a year. It was... Boy, uh, are your arms tired. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But it was... but So I always valued my time because I spent so much time on airplanes and in airports. But I think that the key is, is looking at... You know, what are your values? What are the things that you truly want to get up and, and do? And I can remember as a kid, whenever I had a chance to go fishing, it's I never slept in when I knew I was going fishing. <laughs> I'd bounce out of bed and, and go fishing. And I, I still get excited when my grandson comes and we go fishing. It, it's still fun. But it's finding the things that you, you truly enjoy, the things that, that have importance to you, that have value to you, that you make sure you do those first. You don't put them at the end of the list. You put them up at the very front of the list. And that makes a big difference because you, it makes you aware of what are the things that are that you are going to do, they're going to have an impact on you and hopefully have a positive impact on other people. Now, Dave, when I look at the organizations you listed in the first half of the program, remember for me, CASA, Meals on Wheels, Kiwanis Club, Greenville Board of Development. Look at the Greenville Chamber of Commerce to help businesses. And you and Sheila with your work in Altrusa. All of those seem to have a common theme that they're are geared toward others as opposed to yourself. Exactly, Ron. <clears throat> That's it. I guess we just have a passion for that. I think I love what Chuck said earlier. In fact, I wrote it down when he said, gratitude overcomes fears. And I think that's amazing. I've never heard that before, but I think that's very, very important. You just got to give of yourself. Also, Chuck talked about physicalness. And I think it's important that you join some sort of gym, like 24-hour fitness or planet fitness. I try to go often. I don't really like to exercise, to be honest with you. (laughs) Everybody says it makes you feel good. To me, it makes you tired. But you do lose some weight. It's good for your heart. There's a lot of great things to be said about that. And so I do encourage all your listeners to uh, join some sort of physical fitness activity. But but it sounds like you really value your time. I'm going to guess you've tried a few other organizations or activities that you said, I'm just not getting something out of this. That's correct. And, and rather than being in the habit of going to it, you kind of took those off the plate. Well, not every event is geared towards your personality, you know, and you've got to find your glitch in life just as you found it as an employee for your company. Mm-hmm. You found your skill set. You found what you pursued in life. And even after you retire, you need to go in that direction. Pursue what makes you happy. Now we're going to come to look after yourself. And you touched upon that in the first hour from a standpoint of you evaluated what, what do I need now? When you left the company and you had the cruises, the activities that people told you you needed to go do, the hobby, what did you do after that to look at yourself and do an evaluation of how do I fit? How do I go forward? Where did you get your affirmation from? Well, I think you rely on others to encourage you. I think that's an important part of your life. When people say, you're not a good dancer, then you probably shouldn't go there. <laughs> you know, don't, don't, don't pursue that. As for me, I've been a musician since I was a little boy. My father sang and played guitar, and he taught me. And I've been in about five different bands. Later on in life, my wife didn't like me playing in bars, So I started playing in church, and I ended up being a semi-music director for some churches. 
that was my passion, just singing and playing. And uh, I get an affirmation, I guess, that it wasn't for my glory. It was for the glory of God. But it's hard to be not prideful when somebody says, gee, that was good. But I think I'm over that. I think it's important you go to Sunday school because it's just you interact with people and you're honoring our Savior. Now, care for others, I think we've discussed most of that. But through the Kiwanis, the Golden Kiwanis, and Casa, you guys kind of double-dipped this week. Yeah, we stayed pretty busy. Yeah, but there was an auction that Golden Kiwanis had that supported your work at Casa. Right, you and I sat at the same table. We did. Yes. It was a good uh, time. my, My wife had a strong grip on my bidding paddle for the silent <laughs> for did. the the live I noticed she kept, you kept pulling her arm down <laughs> yeah it was like a slot machine <laughs> but but caring for others what does that do to you from a standpoint of of your reward or I think it makes your life meaningful if you're at the house and you're not doing anything you're not productive and for me even the when I was in working at L3, I enjoyed being productive. I just didn't like sitting around. I was just, I wanted to see my life as being meaningful for my family, for me, for my company. And I just, I looked for things to do. That's what I, that, I guess that's why I volunteer for so many things. It's just, I want my calendar full because it's not about money for me. I'm not a rich man. I just want to be happy. I think God's going to take care of me if I take care of others. That is that is fantastic because there's so much reward. There's a country song that they never saw a hearse with a trailer hitch on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From that standpoint. Socializing with family and friends. There are very few people in Greenville you don't know. I do know a lot of people. Of course, I've been living in this town for 36 years now. Of course, when I was working at the company... You just went to work every day, and you had a small environment of people that surrounded you, and you knew those. But uh, when you go out volunteering, you're at the hospital, and you're at funeral homes, and you're at nursing homes, and just doing all kinds of uh, activities and banquets and so forth, you meet people every day, and they're interesting. People are interesting. But did you also find that by doing that, by suiting up and showing up, that created are more opportunities for you to be more meaningful? It does, and it's, it's, it's good for your heart. You feel like you're being productive, like I said, and it's someday my time's going to be done, and I want to be able to think to myself that I did the best I could with the time that I had. You know, it's interesting that s- sometimes you don't realize how much you learn, how much knowledge you have in a career in an area, because then it's you're going into meetings, you're writing reports, and then when all of that stops, you realize, man, I was doing a lot, and I find myself, I have specific periods of time where I go to the Google, <laughs> I just start <laughs> looking up articles and reading, and it's just, and it's fascinating, because I think you realize you spent a lot of time learning in the job, and that's a big void, and so I think the knowledge and education is a, is a key point, and, it, and it's fun. Well, we, we get to our sixth point, as we're getting near the end of this program. The sixth point of work at something. What habits have you created in your life and in Sheila's life that that keep you active? It, sometimes it's got to be say to heck with this. I can I cannot go to that or I can't do this. How do you keep yourself motivated or who motivates you to continue to stay and and work at something? Well, I think you have to be self motivated first of all. I think that when you volunteer for a lot of things, you have conflicts. Like you and I were talking earlier, there's actually two events today going on at noon today, and I actually have to pick between those two. And what is setting a priority? What is meaningful for me? What's important for my family, the community? So I think setting priorities is is a good way of of putting that. Well, Uh, that kind of dovetails with look after yourself. It does. That you sometimes have an obligation to maybe lean one way when actually for you and the further work you're going to do, you would be better off being at the the second event to, to learn, to create new people. You have to have a block of time that's yours to try new things. 
That's right, Ron. And, you know, even though I've mentioned a lot of volunteer work, it's, that's the thing about volunteer work. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Just make an excuse. Uh, send them an email and say, I've got to do, I've got to go to court for CASA today or, or something. Not necessarily a lie, but, you know, you can, can work your way around that. Uh, but for me, I, I like to read also. I read a lot. When, they, when I have nothing else going on in the day, then I'll just, usually I'll have a James Patterson book in mm -hmm. front of me. I'll have the Bible in front of me. I'll have some uh, just faith-based. Max Lucado is a good read. Mm -hmm. And just stay active. You know, I'm a regular person, too. I watch television, too. Yep. Well, one of the things, when, I, when we talk about all the spokes, you're kind of hitting every one of them. And they seem to be pretty well balanced. But when we talk about have to do things, Chuck, what are the two things in life that people have to do? They have to pay taxes. <laughs> I don't know what was the second they one. They have to die. And they have to die. Those, those two. Everything else we get to choose. Right. Of what we do. And, and here's, and I'm going to give it just a little bit of a twist on, you know, you talked about working out and exercising. And I look at it from a different perspective because it's, I look at it from the side that, hey, this body is what keeps us on earth. And so I always give that the attention first and work with that. And it's not, and I know what you said when you said, you know, working out sometimes can make you tired, but I think it's what you get into it. You know, what you put into it is what you get out of it with extra energy. And so, you know, that I've always, my brother and I used to always laugh. I said, you know, our body's a temple, and yet sometimes we treat it like a bowling alley. <laughs> and it's just, you know, and, and, and as I get older, that's one of the things that I still, it's one of the good habits I I have, like I keep working on, you know, working out and, and doing that up front. And, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. I agree. Well, Dave, there's a lot of people that go through major organizations. You've seen a lot of them. Tell me some of the things that you've seen happen to people that haven't taken the path that you've had. Well, I talked to a lot of friends that are still out at L3 and, they, you know, they'll, they're pushing on. Or any large corporation. Or any large we're corporation. Not, to me, I always hear the number one thing. I brought it up briefly, and uh, they'll say, hey, what's it like to be retired? You know, and I'll tell them, I say, hey, I love it. I just, I stay active, and that's what's important. And they'll say, well, I'm going to retire in three or four years. And I'll say, great. And they say, they can't do it right now because they're afraid of the medical costs mm -hmm. for themselves and their family. And I tend to agree with that, you know, the rising costs of health insurance is tough for some families. I'm somewhat lucky because I do have a VA benefit and hopefully that veterans will take care of me if I get really sick. I'm blessed I haven't had any operations. It's, it's something to consider is if you wanna retire, then it's a good thing, I enjoy it. If you can afford it, if you have a pension, if you have enough resources that you saved up over the years to accommodate those needs and not have the have high expectations, then it'd be good for you. Well, one of the things we have talked about previously on the show is that part of this next portion of being significant in your life is not devoid of something that's different that still gives you financial reward that there's different ways to get involved with either your community with life and to where you do get an income out of it and we do watch people that transition where a continuing career in some format is part of that plan of significance but it's a, a transition from a 100 percent focus on the success the career and financial to maybe a bell-shaped curve of transitioning out of that. It's a, this isn't a toggle switch. It doesn't have to be a toggle switch. It's something that you can look at transitioning ahead of time and having a, a better thought-out plan of how is this going to happen. I'd like to point out that some men and women, they've worked their whole lives, then they retire, and they don't like it. Right. Because they're so used to being at work the structure the structure yeah. of that that it's hard for them to transition then some people just can't and it's not really a money or a finance thing it's just that's what they want to do that's what they've always done and they're going to do it to the day they die you know it's interesting I, I had the opportunity to travel over 40 different countries and my passport expired and i haven't renewed it yet <laughs> <laughs> Just because I can. So, Dave, you're, you're certainly an individual that stays engaged. 
This is our show number nine. We're coming to an end. It went quickly. Chuck, any lasting words or wrap up here you'd like to? Oh, I just want to say, you know, thank you, Dave, for coming in and sharing with us. What a, what a spectacular career you had and sharing some words of wisdom with us this morning. Well, I just want to say that it's an honor to be here today. I've never done a talk show radio program before, and I'm actually <laughs> humbled why anyone would even think that my life is even somewhat interesting. We're going to continue on, and I just want to thank you guys for listening and for your two speakers, Chuck and Ron, today for having me here. Well, you've been listening to 21.6 of the Net, The Adventures of Unstructured Time with Ron Hostry and Chuck Enman. Chuck, tell people how they can get a hold of you. Again, one of the best ways is go to adventurejerky.com. Uh, you can contact us. I mean, there's a contact place if you have a specific request. You can contact us there. Take a look. We've got a store. We've got uh, all sorts of information on the website. So it's a good place to start. And we want the rest of your life to be the best of your life. Hi, I'm Rancher Ron, and I'm excited at how many ways you can access your daily dose of encouragement on 21.6 The Net. If you normally listen on your laptop or desktop computer, go to our website at 216thenet.com and click on the Listen Live tab as it comes onto the screen. Whatever's playing at that time will immediately be put into your earplug. If you've missed a show or would like to go back and listen to something again, go to the tab at the top of the site that says Past Show Podcasts, click on that, then find the show that you want to listen to, click again. You'll enjoy past shows whenever you want to hear them. If you're constantly on the move like I am, don't worry. You can take your daily dose of encouragement with you on any of your mobile devices. Go to the Google Play or Apple Store and download the appropriate app for 21.6 The Net. Then push a little button on your phone or your tablet and you'll have 21.6 The Net with you wherever you go. Thank you for being a loyal listener of our radio station. And this is Rancher Ron with your daily dose of encouragement. 21.6 The Net is sponsored by Sticker Dude, the creators of Final Chaos. 815-322-2480, StickerDude.com. The Sticker Dude team brings over 25 years of experience from the graphic, marketing, and sales industry. Advertising on vehicles and other services, full attention on the design, print, and installation is given to your project. From in-house, full-time installers to our top-of-the-line printing and finishing room. Contact us today to learn what you need to look for and why before committing to making an investment in vehicle wraps. We're not your corner sign shop. Sticker Dude, call 815-322-2480. 21.6th Net is brought to you in part by the generous support of our sponsor, Northern Illinois Windows, Inc. We are a commercial and residential window servicing company committed to providing the highest quality service at an affordable price. Our highly trained technicians will make every aspect of your window cleaning needs worry-free. Northern Illinois Windows, Inc. 815-385-6646. Again, 815-385-6646. 216 The Net is sponsored and supported in part by Natural Therapy Wellness Center. 815-385-8190. McHenryMassage.com. How often do you take time for yourself? A massage can be a great way to pamper yourself, but it can also help alleviate or sometimes even cure those ailments that you deal with regularly. Contact us today to speak to one of our certified therapists about your needs. Natural Therapy Wellness Center, 815-385-8190.
experience, education, character, and inherent ability with numbers, an exceptional CPA. These are the reasons why business owners choose Eric Mason of Mobile Accounting for their bookkeeping, payroll, and tax services. Call Eric at Mobile Accounting, 224-321-6859. That's 224-321-6859. 